Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz. We are live best balling today. Appreciate the YouTube gang. Appreciate the audio gang. Appreciate however you're listening to us on this lovely Cinco de Mayo. Very special guest for you guys. We're going to start having them roll out here every single Friday here at Fantasy Life. And I had to get a champion to kick things off. You guys know how it goes. Not just a champion, three-time best ball champion. The man loves chess, gambling, and bills. Not necessarily in that order. Liam Murphy at Chess Liam. What's going on, man? What's going on, everybody? Ian, thanks so much for having me on. Excited to do this. Got a chance to catch your best ball stream with Dwayne the other day. You guys are super sharp fellows. Had you both on my channel. Looking forward to ripping a BBM4 with We are with you. Yeah, about to say we are competing, Liam. We are not sharing. We were briefly talking about this. And guess what? We are not scared to compete here. We will have our live stream up here in just a second. I have the 106 pick. You are at 108. But before we get to the nitty-gritty with this, man, you're rocking the Bill shirt. You got a Bill's head, you got Bill Bill's helmet in the background. How far is the love for this? Because I remember last year, like later in the process, you just, you know, it was one of the streams I was listening to and you're talking about Dawson Knox being a better player. And it's tough for me. And look, it worked, it worked out two years ago, not so much last year, but it's tough for me to know when you're talking bills, how much of this is just your hometown love and how much of this is like, oh yeah, it's a good play. You know, I, so my dad grew up in Buffalo, Lockport, New York, and I grew up actually in New Hampshire. So that is New England Patriots country. And, you know, when I'm 30 now, so when I was a kid, this was like, you know, we suffered three years of like Trent Edwards and stuff. So that's how you know I'm a loyal Bills fan, because while the Patriots are going through their dynasty, I, you know, never wavered. It's it's just three, six Bills Mafia. Let's go. (laughs) And, you know, I kind of I kind of like this perception of me that I'm strictly Homer with the Bills. (laughs) Like, yeah. are, Are there a little bit of rose colored glasses? Yes. But also, you know, like, it's Josh Allen. Like, Josh Allen, to me, is the best quarterback in the league. And so if people are going to discount what I have to say because of that, you know, that's great for me. You know, like, I want people to think I'm a homer and give me the bills. And we're we're off Dawson Knox and we're on to Dalton Kincaid. That's a new (laughs) – Dawson – and and Dawson was a bad pick last year from total points. But – from best ball purposes, how these contests are played, he was a great pick. You know why? He scored touchdowns in the playoff weeks. And when you're attached to Josh Allen, that's bound to happen. So Knox not as bad a pick last year in best ball as people like to uh, remember. I am on the board here at the 106 now, looking at Tyreek Hill and RB2 now, B. John Robinson. Still not quite sure how he has passed Austin Eckler already, but I'm going to go ahead and chill anyway. Take my guy Tyreek. Have not gotten any shares of him just yet, but that's a, it's, it's kind of how I feel, Liam, with the Cowboys. A lot of people don't even know I'm this, you know, diehard Cowboys fan behind the scenes. Certainly tougher to completely let that bleed into, you know, your everyday life when, you know, we work as much as we do with this, but all things considered. Considered, I mean, you have been a Bills fan and honestly winning a lot of best ball tournaments right around the time that they've been pretty freaking awesome. So those two parts of your life certainly working out. You're about to be on the clock here at 108. Talk through kind of your process and what you've generally been trying to do here from this draft spot if you've already had a few drafts here. Yeah, I view um, the 109 plus as like quite a big tier break. You know, like getting Diggs here, getting A.J. Brown here, really either of them are fine to me. Um, great picks. You know, j- just with as much Bills talk we've had, how could I not rip Diggs in, in uh, the <laughs> lobby's face right there? But after that, 
after after Diggs and AJ Brown, it's like, oh, I don't I don't know if I want to be on Eckler. I don't know if I want to rip Saquon. Jonathan Taylor is he just like fancy Miles Sanders this year with Anthony Ooh. Richardson there? Um, I, I think know, he might like, be on to be something that man. Like if you just look at these top running backs, I mean, I have JT. I think I ranked him before the draft, like RB7 or so. And it's not meant to be an insult. I have him right next to Nick Chubb because I think those are pretty similar roles, but we're probably actually feeling better about the Browns' overall offense. So that is the thing, man. Like, I don't want to chase that Miles Sanders role. If we can get it from a guy in the RB3 range, like Brian Robinson, for example, like, okay, that's when I'm more fine chasing the early down back. It's not going to get much uh, pass down work. But JT, going ahead of Eckler, going ahead of some of these other guys, like, didn't we kind of learn that last year? Yeah, and I mean it, it's important to note that uh, best ball is a is an individual week game, right? Like yeah. I think a lot of people try to look through the lens of total points for the season, which JT can be a good pick in best ball if he come if he rips off like three forty point games in the playoff weeks, right? Like that's obvious, but I don't think people think through. Uh, I'm on the clock here. I'm going to pick a Monroe St. Brown. He is Sun someone God. who's definitely. Uh, yeah, the Sun God. He was on my winning BBM2 team, so we stay loyal to the brand. But he he's also drawing live to just be like wide out one on the year. That's sure. like not out of the question. Um, but anyways, back to what I was saying is, you know, best ball is an individual week game. So even if JT does get outscored by the players around him, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You're building in a natural low advance rate player who has a really high individual week ceiling. So thinking through individual week ceiling is something – I try to do a lot. Josh Allen off the board at 206. Jalen Hurts already off the board. I will not keep the quarterback train going. Ooh, this is tough. I want to take Pollard, but the thought of getting Tyreek, Waddle, and Tua eventually on the same squad is appealing. You know what? Let's let's shoot for the moon here, Liam. I thought you had a good uh, conversation with Justin Herzig, another fellow uh, best ball mania winner. Where uh, I think it was uh, Justin, or maybe it wasn't you and uh, Justin. It might have been Justin Leone, excuse me. But Justin brought up the point about how when you are drafting, you want to draft under the assumption when we're trying to take down six hundred and fifty thousand other teams or whatever it is that you are going to be right more times than not here. So with that kind of in mind, Liam, like in my spot there, Tyreek and you know Jalen Waddle sitting there, Waddle between Tony Pollard. Was I right to? Be Build that stack and just keep on going for hopefully, you know, the eruption spot from both of them, or should I have maybe taken my higher ranked player in Tony Pollard? Um, that's a that's a spot I'd mix for sure. Something okay. I think I was wrong last year, where I was kind of viewing like I want Tyreek or I want AJ Brown. I don't want as much the twos. And what we clearly saw was these are not twos, these are one Bs, yeah. right? Who are pretty like, you know, like <laughs> they had crazy seasons, especially from an individual spike week side. So, like, clearly that was wrong. Taking two teammates expensively, too, is kind of a good way to naturally build in playoff leverage yeah. where, like, your dream scenario is Tyreek is the guy you need to advance out of weeks 15 and week 16, and then no one else has Waddle, and Waddle's the guy who goes off for 40 in week 17 yeah. when all the money's won. So I think it's totally fine to take t- uh, two teammates like that. We know stacking's good. Uh, you know, and I and sometimes you're going to get Tony Pollard to come back to you on the third. It's it's looking less and less True. likely now compared to pre-draft, but you're never getting Waddle in the third. 
five quarterbacks already off the board. It's almost unprecedented, Liam, when we actually look at how early they're going. I got some good stats here right after I make my pick. And seeing Josh Jacobs still as low as he is, I will not apologize for that. So first running back for me, pairing him with Tyreek and Waddle. Anyway, I do have on FantasyLife.com, it was featured in our newsletter today, five early best ball tips. And just not even tips, like just more so takeaways that I've had after, you know, playing. I think it's going to be my ninth uh, tournament since the thing kicked off here last weekend. But at quarterback, man, the average cumulative ADP from quarterbacks one through six right now is 26. Last year, it was 42.2. Before that, 46 and a half. It was 50 plus in 2020 and 2019. So, Liam, we've seen guys like Josh Allen. You can go ahead and make your pick here, and I'll just keep talking for a sec. But we've seen one quarterback over the years like find a way to come up here, like Josh Allen. Last year, people were looking at the second round. You know, Lamar after 2019 was getting some early round consideration. Patrick Mahomes after 2018. But the fact that so many of them are going now, and again, pulling up our draft board right now, by the even before the halfway point of round three, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson off the board. Is this a rifle shift in ADP where these guys should be going this early, or are people looking too much at what happened in 2022, not enough about what will happen in 2023? I think it's an interesting discussion for best, uh, you know, best ball wasn't as popular back for BBM one days. I didn't even play an underdog that year. I didn't know about it, but it's not the first time we've seen this. We saw Lamar Jackson. We saw Pat Mahomes that year after having great seasons the year before be round two picks, sometimes round one picks. Um, They ended up getting crushed from an advanced rate perspective because you could find Josh Allen after Matt Ryan and co in like the 10th round, you know? So Josh Allen was just like smashing the field. That was the COVID year. Yeah. People uh, forget. I'm going to take, oh man, the Gibbs versus Ken Walker discussion. Both of them. Actually, I'm up up after you, man. Kenneth Walker's looking pretty good here. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them correlate with my team, importantly too, uh, doing the running back wide receiver. But I mean, uh, quarterback is more important on a half point PPR site because just mathematically, they score a higher percentage of your points due to the other positions not getting the full point per reception bonus. Yeah. So, you know, the quarterbacks were really badly priced in like BBM2. And then Best Ball Mania 3, I still got the elite guys. Um, you know, I was talking the other day, like, I, and I agree with you, some of the the cheaper guys are getting pulled up because of the just because of like the you know, the anxiety of drafters, like, oh, I need to get quarterback. Like I'm facing Josh Allen. I'm facing Jalen right. Hurts. I'm facing Pat Mahomes. I don't have them, right? Like, so that's causing people to be like, I need Derek Carr right now, or I need Tua right now, or I need, you know, whoever. And there are some guys, a la like a Justin Fields last year, yep, who should not be priced how they're priced right now. You know, I- I'm a professional here, so I rarely tout players before they are picked on the draft. That's just standard. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. If, if I had to tell you from a total season points perspective, so like the regular season winner, would you rather take teams that have one of Mahomes, Josh Allen, or Hurts, or the field? So any combination of the field or – so basically is a team that either has Hurts, Allen, or Mahomes going to be the regular season winner – or would you take the field? And the field has some good guys, too. It's yeah. got Justin Fields. It's got Lamar. It's got Joe Burrow. Richardson. I go with the field, I think, out of that. Because, they're again, 
the reason why these quarterbacks are moving up are because of the guys whose names. These true dual threat aliens. Mahomes doesn't run quite as much, but he might be the greatest passer we've ever seen. So I'm still going to put him in that category. But, you know, writing up, I was writing up my uh, New York Giants team preview today. And just, you know, we hit a point kind of after Deshaun Watson, where it's just kind of this long, and even Watson based on how he played last year, tough to give him the benefit of the doubt. But we hit this just tier of pocket passers that's really stretching a long way. And if you remember last year, hitting on guys like Jared Goff, Gino Smith, just going so much further after players that are of a similar archetype. I think those end up being huge if you weren't able to get on that Justin Fields. But kind of in the middle of those pocket passer tiers, you see guys like Daniel Jones, who had the fifth most rushing rushing production per game in terms of fantasy points at the position, and Anthony Richardson, who just based on his intangibles, literally is the single most athletic quarterback we've seen coming to the NFL. So if Ever. you are going to attack that middle class, those are two guys I want to do it with. Well, Ken Walker goes in the fifth round. I mean, he should be falling a lot, but it's just like, I don't know where he's going to settle. And I don't know if you picked this up, but the guy between us is auto-drafting. So Uh, um, for those who don't know, Underdog does not force you to go on auto-draft if you miss picks like other sites. So you just have to pay attention and be like, they're timing down the whole 30-second clock (laughs) and also building teams that don't make any sense. Like he he should auto-Justin Herbert here, but I don't know unless his QB limits are two. We um, also got uh, Brett Coleman here in the top, in the draft with us. So good for Brett. Always enjoy his uh, content over at Underdog Fantasy. So pretty cool there. I just took Terry McLaurin. I now have four wide receivers through the first five rounds. Tyreek Waddle, Jerry Judy, and my guy, Scary Terry from the Talk Ohio to me State about Jerry, man. Because it's hard for me to buy back in. Like, I've been yeah. out on, and we do see Herbert go. I've been out on... I was out on Russ pretty much last year. Like, not not totally out, mm-hmm. but um, I think I might. I think I'm going to build a back stack with JSN. But, yeah, talk to me about Judy because he's the guy who I have historically faded. I know he had some good underlying stats last year, but, like, I don't know. Guys were in and out of the lineups. Yeah. We don't – like, it seems like they're not that committed to Russ. What's your What's your take on Judy compared to – like to me, like I don't know, I like Mike Williams on a on a half point PPR site. I like Terry more, you know. Like uh, Christian Watson goes in the same range. They're, they're definitely see. they're definitely all in the same tier. I'm happy that I was able to get kind of two of them with that. But yeah, if you want to place those guys ahead of uh, you know Judy, I'm not necessarily gonna you know march over there and fight you about it. I will say with Judy, you know, as bad as everything was last year, the fact he was able to finish wide receiver 20, average the same amount of fantasy points per game as T Higgins and Michael Pittman. I know we got I, I need to what I need to do, Liam, is go through all these damn you know wide receiver fantasy points per game and just remove all the you know T Higgins playing one snap against the Ravens yeah. and then being ruled out and just get that crystal clear so I don't have to explain myself every single time we go through it. But again, I thought last season was a worst case scenario really for Judy and everything going on in that offense. And for him to have been in a position to, you know, clear a thousand yards easily if he would have played the full 17 games and even flirted with seven or eight touchdowns, man. I thought he made the best out of what was an overall pretty shitty situation. So not giving up on the guy just yet. Still just turned 24 here at the end of April. I do love getting my Tim Patrick shares at the end, but I of everything I saw in Denver 
Herbert, man. Like, I am no longer convinced at all that Cortland Sutton is like even a even a really good, let alone good football player. Jerry Judy, though, I still think we could see that bump. I mean, again, three years in the league so far. I think you know what we've seen on film has been a lot better than necessarily the production. I don't want to fall too much in that trap. But when you had the context of just the quarterbacks he's played with, you know, his ankle going Gumby the first freaking week of 2021, I think there's still a chance we haven't seen the best of Judy. That make that makes sense. He also makes sense with your Josh Jacobs pick when mm-hmm. it we don't have the NFL schedule yet. So you're building in a division stack, making it more likely that you're correlating for week 17. Um, yeah. Where are you at on Russ, though? Are you let's ride Russ Wilson, or are you? Because like I think it's like you know, is he who's who's the I'm forgetting his name right now. Who's the guy who played real well for the Raiders down the stretch and is now in Denver again? Oh no, yeah, Sean Payton gave that kind of weird uh, answer about it. It is uh, Jared Stidham. Stidham. Yeah, I was of shocked course. that they didn't bring him. Like he played well, like or at least he like Devonte Adams still produced at least. Like he wasn't terrible, like for sure. I mean, Devonte Adams like a. 40-point game or something absurd with Jarrett Stidham. Well, McDaniels uh, brought him over from New England in the first place. I was surprised, too, especially when you see, oh, who's Jimmy G's backup? Brian Hoyer in the year 2023. Oh like, yeah, God. that was what absolutely shocking. Doing? Uh, right. you, did, you did snag J.K. Dobbins. I got Joe Mixon a few picks before that. Are you in on Mixon right now? Because, again, from what I've heard now from some of the Bengals guys I respect most, uh, most notably Joe Goodberry, I mean – We'll see what happens. I know they recently had the aggravated medicine uh, case get reopened. From what I've seen from Drew Davenport, just still not enough details to really know too much with that. But just the fact that Pirine leaves for Denver and the Bengals haven't done anything else to spruce up their RB room, I feel like once we get the clear go-ahead on Mixon, we're talking about a guy that's going to be going in the third round. So with Mixon, I am not drafting him right now. And he's either one of the best picks on the board or, you know – Something I said is, and I and I did read that tweet from the Bengals reporter, mm-hmm. is, you know, this is a guy who, before an NFL playoff game, allegedly pulled up aside next to a woman in a road rage incident, pointed a gun at her, and told him, I should kill you. Before an NFL playoff game. And not great. It's not great. No, not, not great. <laughs> and, you know, after his past, you know, uh, terrible things he's done, is a got to be a warning sign to the team at least. And so I think partially what could be happening is the Bengals are waiting until the legalese clears and then they're able to get the contract out from under them because they are contract strapped. They need to find a way to pay um, Higgins and Chase is coming up and Burrow. So I don't know. Obviously it looks good for him. That they have, um, real quick, let me make my pick. Yeah, you go. I'm gonna go. I gotta go with my guy Gabe. I was gonna go. I was between Tony and reaching just a bit on Tua. It wasn't bad. I took him pick 78, ADP 87. The problem is our freaking not friend in between us now has four quarterbacks. He's on auto draft. So I just, you know, I would have, because again, I talked earlier about the idea of wanting to play, trying to have the perfect lineup. And maybe the fact I didn't just take the chance on getting, you know, a round eight Tua. you know, someone probably out there will have a round eight Tua with Waddle and Tyreek uh, where I did. So that part of it isn't ideal, but when you got a freaking auto drafter in there. 
Yeah. It's okay that they do because all you need is your later round players mm-hmm. to outscore the player they took in the seventh or something, yeah. right? Like, like you need your eighth round player to outscore whoever they were getting in the seventh. Like, pretend it was Tony or Gabe or Darren Waller, or whatever, which is which is doable, right? Like, this yeah. is not like a a feat, but like just to close on Mixon, I don't know. I'm kind of in wait and see mode. Clearly, it's good they only drafted a fifth round rookie. Um, but I don't know. It's just like the dude's not talented enough to me. And we don't, we don't love to see that, uh, Anthony Richardson is now going in the seventh round and that will, that will probably climb, but I don't know. Like he's not talented enough to justify the headaches to me. Um, you're not wrong. I do think, though, I mean, that is obviously being baked into the reason why he's going right now. Only Austin Eckler have more expected PPR points per game For last sure. year. And the one thing Mixon does do really well is catch passes, but we just haven't been able to see that because of Piran. Hopefully we get even more of a featured role this year, you know, if he happens to be eligible to be on the field. Small piece of scoring fantasy points there. So I am yeah, about I'm, to be- I'm, like, very open to being extremely wrong on, on Mixon and that he's just, like, the wheels-up guy – and it's his sunset year, but I don't know. It's just at this point in the year, like zeros really hurt you if you come around, uh, you know, playoff weeks or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, like, it, yeah, he was a first round fantasy pick. So like, he feels like Josh Jacobs in that sense. Yeah. Um, but he's not even close to Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was still on his rookie contract. He was like t- 24, Mixon is 27 or something, yeah. so I, I don't know. I, I'm going to wait in C mode. I want a little bit more info from the team. And, and I did see that like maybe the legal stuff wouldn't even play out till next year, which in case it's like, okay, I guess they'll <laughs> cut him next year. You know what? Every time at that stuff, the Kamara stuff, still waiting on that verdict to be, you know, reached. Now I am anticipating him to miss four to eight games because that's what lovely legal attorney Drew Davenport thinks. And I usually leave that stuff for him. But even even Dalvin Cook, man, like there was a pretty terrible story out there about him a couple years ago, and you just don't hear about it and what's going on with it. So, you know, high price lawyers doing their thing, I guess. But are you also out on Dalvin Cook at all? He is going a little bit higher now. Went at the beginning of the fifth round in this one, but certainly a guy that again based on what happened during the draft and looking at the lack of moves the Vikings have made other than you know securing Alexander Madison again Dalvin Cook sure seems like once we get to like July or whatever and it's like okay this is the Vikings RB1 while he is getting a little bit long into two similar to Mixon a guy that again if we know he is there for week one he's gonna be awfully tough to keep out of that top 12. Yeah I mean he's a guy also I'm not going crazy on what I'll probably do is I'll probably hedge and build one team with Cook and Mixon and Aaron Jones and all the other olds who are like, these used to be first round picks and now they're cheap. Uh, but I've not been drafting too much Dalvin Cook at his cost. It, I'm just not 100% sure he's still going to be on the Vikings. Maybe that could actually be good for his landing yep. spot. I don't know. But um, what's your take on Cook? I'm pretty much treating him at this point like he's going to be back there on the Vikings again. I saw as much as I needed to see. Uh, just like during- as the clear as the as the same guy, or do you think Madison is going to eat in more? 
Nah, I mean, we saw it was a coaching staff change last year, which honestly got me a little bit off of Madison. It ended up being fine because Cook stayed healthy. But throughout their career, man, they just use Madison as this clear-cut backup. And honestly, like every time Cook is out, we've seen Madison put up pretty big numbers. But you dig a little bit more into those games, and they haven't really been efficient. Like this isn't like a Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, or even like a Khalil Herbert, Dave Montgomery situation where like the backup RB is putting up big-time numbers, and then we just need to worry about like, well, okay, can he still do that on a larger workload like Madison was pretty mediocre last year man and it was a situation where I'm not overly convinced he is even good enough to be pushing someone like Dalvin Cook so look Madison he's got a fun little highlight reel you know I love the hurdles he's been doing that since college but you know it's not it's not the single most important snap but I'd appreciate if the RB were targeting you know could average even four yards per carry uh, since uh, 2020 so he got kind of a surprising contract though right two years seven million uh, a lot guaranteed in there too yeah but then they just uh, if they really think what mcbride was their one pick in the seventh round i think so the fact they didn't go more than just again day three capital with it i'm i'm fully expecting dalvin to have that job but it the really complicated factor with all this is if kareem hunt and leonard Fournette and ezekiel elliott were not out there on the market who could go anywhere from unsigned to Bengals RB1, to Vikings RB1, if like Cook and Nixon are moved on from, it's just like, oh man, like what? Uh, Dude, they were all three so bad last year though. That's they the were problem. terrible, but you know who else wasn't great? Mixon, other than his like 40 point game. <laughs> like, you know, like it's not like Mixon was like, like prime Barry Sanders out there. Yeah, he, I wasn't he was watching the Bengals. I wasn't watching Mixon thinking to myself, though, like, could I, could I take this guy in a 100-yard dash right now? Like, with Zeke sometimes, <laughs> man, especially especially after that injury. You know, I'd be lying if it didn't float through the head once or twice. I will give Zeke, and especially Fournette, I don't think Hunt was playing banged up. But, I mean, Lenny and Zeke, it's one of those things where they get injured, and then they start playing through it, and then we kind of forget about it. It just becomes a situation where we probably don't give them enough credit for, you know, again, playing through the pain because we're just sitting at our, you know, computers at the end of the oh, day. Yes, yes. Gino Smith, one of the so biggest I, veteran winners, man. Talk about it. I, well, I got Gino, and what I did was kind of sharp, I thought, where I yeah. wanted Gino last round because I have Metcalf and JSN, right? So I want to complete the stack. But Zach Charbonnet was sitting there, and so I took Jack, Zach Charbonnet, and if you remember, I was between Gibbs and Ken Walker at one point. So the, the Charbonnet is a you know taking leverage against the Walker team, and ideally, Charbonnet is more of the pass catcher, so that makes sense with Gino. And it's, it's both positive correlation and negative correlation where Charbonnet can either vulture the touchdowns, you know, make me advance a different uh, key piece in the playoffs to get a lone guy. And then also from a season perspective, like, I mean, it was easy for people to clown on teams like the Seahawks and the Lions. But, like, I think it should be a great sign that these coaching staffs – along with the Vikings, invested in the offense. Like, offense is what wins in today's NFL. You're not going to build a defense to shut down Joe Burrow or Josh Allen or Mahomes. You're not. It's harder to keep it, like, healthy even if you do or together. But, you know, bringing in JSN and Charbonnet to Geno, like, when you don't have an elite quarterback but you have a good one, you, like, surround them with every elite piece possible. So now you got Gibbs with Goff. You got – Addison with Cousins, you got Charbonnet and JSN with the Seahawks. Like this is these are positive takeaways for me, even even if they spend it a little bit extra capital at running back than than you would want. 
And they were the only three top 10 scoring offenses that also had a bottom 10 scoring defense. So I think their offensive numbers were probably a little bit inflated last season based on that. But to your point, they added the sort of, you know, high end resources around them to think that they could take a step forward on offense. So even if those defenses are a little bit better, not going to be as big of an overall issue. I am. Is this the, okay? This is not the auto drafter. I'm hoping P Ryan. No, he, he's sandwiched between us. Me. Okay. So and, we're good there. And I mean, with the with the middle guy going for QB, like you should take notice when people oh, are doing this go. in your drafts for anyone watching. Like, you know, you can't punt core quarterback when one guy takes the four elite ones because mm-hmm. pretty pretty soon you're rocking with Desmond Ritter and Co. Which <laughs> which doesn't feel great. Not pretty. Not pretty. I am going to sadly be drafting a Washington quarterback later. Probably Mr. Sam Howell because I have the McLaurin dots and stuff. Talk to me on. about it, man, because I want to be so in on Howell, but I, I have so, a little Marcus Mariota gun shyness. So talk, that's talk fair. To me about Howell. So if we were trying to identify this year's, you know, Seahawks team that comes out of nowhere and people are cheap and it's just like the shitty quarterbacks are scaring us too far off it. I've wondered about it being Tampa Bay. Evans and Goblin are great wide receivers. Baker has spent most of his career being bad, but he, you know, set the NFL record for passing touchdowns as a rookie, did have a great second half of 2020 there, and his new offensive coordinator was Geno Smith's QB coach last year, but can't quite fully get behind it. I've said it a few times on the podcast, but when I'm sitting here drafting, I just can't do it. Washington, though, I think they do fit some of those principles that we saw out of Seattle. Loaded wide receiver room. Like, okay, I'm not going to say they're better than the Bengals, and maybe my Ohio State, you know, fan is bleeding in here a little bit, but McLaurin. Curtis Daniel is awesome, man. Thank you. You get it. This is a guy that gets ball right here. Loaded wide receiver room. Robinson, Gibson, serviceable. We can talk about, you know, how good the offensive front is and whether they've made necessary improvements there. But Sam Howell, it's not like he went out there and sucked last year. He actually did some good things in the last game against the Cowboys. And apparently Washington believes in him. You look at what he did during his last season at North Carolina, did ran for like 900 yards. I mean, actually gave us some semblance of rushing upside there. Jacoby Brissett last year actually helped enable Amari Cooper, something we weren't expecting, was third in CPOE. So I do think there's enough there, enough talent, especially a wide receiver on the offense to think that we get more out of these quarterbacks. So the guess and the issue would be if, you know, they're playing musical chairs going between Howell and Bursett or something well, like that's, that. That's but, the con- What's your take on that? Is that happening? Or like, <sighs> if I knew Howell was starting all 18, it's like, let's go. Yeah. You know, this is like a 100% exposure guy because of the rushing upside. But So I, I guess. Like the, the problem with quarterback is even if you hit, unless you hit a Justin Fields, it doesn't usually help you enough even yeah. to like take that risk. Is Well, and Jacoby yeah. was really good with some of these advanced stats last year and still nothing in fantasy. So I'm leaning towards how because like even if Jacoby wins it, like I don't think we're going to want to have much Jacoby Brissett out there. I don't know that he even has that Geno ceiling to be able to get to. Sam Howell, though, I mean, it's a, a, something Joy McFarland said last year, you know, like it's someone because I think I was bringing up the point like why are we prioritizing some of these rookies? I think it was like Spiller over Joshua Kelly and these other guys and he was just like, well, we haven't seen the rookies like actively be bad yet in the NFL so they at least have that going for them there I'm I sorry mean, the oh no box, you got man. Kincaid you're serious you're in on Kincaid let's go yeah I got I got uh Gibson who I feel great about in that range Gibson you know we got the improved OC there um he is a little bit Josh Jacobs like mm-hmm. to me obviously Brian Robinson's still there they could be this like 20 grinded out uh run type of guy but um, I don't know. I've been seeing your your loving Gibson as well. He's a guy I just feel, you know, like I, I put a, a tweet today that like 
early drafting is maybe even more plus EV than usual yeah. right now because A, the market is like really mispricing a lot of players and mm-hmm. B, the amount of best ball content is higher than ever. So like, you know, in the past, it was like me grinding in May and like now we got like you putting out best ball tweets and other companies touting players where it's like, oh no, like by August, <laughs> like this could be an efficient market, you know? So it's like, Schedule be damned. Let's build some super teams. Uh, Kincaid, I love. Like I, I think Kincaid could be around a hundred targets in the Buffalo Bills. People love. Wow. The people are so lazy. They love to cite stats like first round tight ends haven't hit. And like you know, I, 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 if you add some context to that, like the tight ends in the first round drafted around Kincaid are like Evan Ingram and David Njoku and. Um, Hayden Hurst, who obviously Mark Andrews was drafted the same year. Yeah. And, you know, another couple guys. And, like, I I went back and looked at the quarterbacks of these guys. And, like, David Njoku, it was, like, Deshaun Kaiser. (laughs) Evan Ingram was Eli Manning's 37-year-old year. year. Right. Uh, You know, it was, like, one of these things is not like the other. One's playing with Josh Allen. We think he – the out is he plays big slot. He's not playing tight end. He is the big slot sharing the duties with – Shakir or Hardy or maybe even Trent Sherfield based on matchup. And I think he's drawing live to out-target Gabe. I think it hurts Gabe's ceiling a little bit, maybe. But Gabe can still have individual huge spike weeks, of course. So, like, you know, just buy the pieces that are going to be on the field with, with Josh Allen. I mean, they traded up for the guy, which tells you that you'd like to think that they have a plan for it. And I think the Bills as an organization have kind of earned our benefit of doubt with stuff like this over the years. And yeah, I mean, he is now easily, easily the highest invested player in this entire passing game. I mean, Gabriel Davis among the wide receivers has the highest original draft capital. And it's a good reminder of how ridiculous it was that Diggs went back in round five back in the day. But honestly, again, looking at it, non-running backs, but just between wide receivers and tight ends, I know Knox and Diggs have gotten paid, but just in terms of that original draft capital, Kincaid is the one guy they have really gone out on a limb to be able to get. So if we do see him play big slot, that does put him with the past historical rookie tight end ones that have found success. Evan Ingram, Jordan Reed, Kyle Pitts. Those are three top 12 tight ends on a per-game basis over the past decade. Gronk did it a few years before that. We are getting old, the fact that that was not in the past 10 years. But yeah, man, and you know when you look at the offense and just what kind of helped those guys Kyle Pitts did benefit from Calvin Ridley, you know, dealing with the broken foot. And we also had Ingram benefit from OBJ breaking his ankle, you know, four games into that year. But man, if there is an offense out there, it's the Buffalo Bills that just throws the ball so damn much that there probably should be enough volume for there to be a number two or number three at cost in the 12th round. I think Kincaid is fine in that group of guys. I did go ahead and scoop up my first tight end, Jawan Johnson, there in round 13. At the risk of helping me too much, Liam, are, I'll let are you, you make seeing it, yeah. what's happening in this room? Uh, we got more quarterbacks going between us. Oh my gosh. What the hell? Yeah. So I, you know, the, the unfortunate reality is uh, this room potentially could be thrown out. I don't think it should be, um, six quarterbacks to block. Yeah. The, one the, the 12 hole grabs six quarterbacks. And when the other auto drafter grabbed four good ones, like that's why I reached on Stafford in the 13th. Yeah. Because, you know, Gino and Stafford, I, I don't exactly want to be reaching on naked Stafford, but I was looking at the reality that I'm getting no quarterback soon. So 
My guy Sam Howell is going to be as cheap as I thought. <laughs> well, you and you got you might want to secure him now because uh, and I debated taking him just based Ooh. on upside reasons and having a third body. But if the room is not thrown away because sometimes the sites do throw away things, well then uh, you want to make sure you're not getting buried at quarterback. Which this is just an unusual draft room. But yeah, to cir- circle on Kincaid, if you believe the Bills, they believe like. If you believe the Bills and their reaction, they were shocked the Chargers did not grab Kincaid and went with Quentin Johnston. According to them, he's the best pass catcher in the draft. Wow. And the dude does not drop passes, which when you play with the dude who throws the ball as far as <laughs> or as fast as Josh Allen, is actually pretty key, right? Yes. Like the, the, Gabe Davis dropped like, I don't know, 40 fantasy points worth of touchdowns last year mm. just like you know that there's a little bit of fluky but i don't know i think it wouldn't shock me if like Knox outscored kincaid in touchdowns mm. like just like you know being a red zone guy but i think kincaid is like a lock to receive more targets um if the you know if he is who we think he is and you know the, the touchdowns usually could come from the targets he, he's gonna be like Big Cole Beasley is the hope where the teams play a lot of zone against the Bills and, you know, try to keep you want to keep the eyes on the rushing quarterback and just the ability to do this 12 personnel. I think like Josh Allen is the, you know, they only did 4% last year, which is Mm -hmm. like a big projection to be like, hey, they're going to up that. But uh, when you have Dalton Kincaid, I think you got to. And like Josh Allen seems like a. A, you know, a, a terrible quarterback to have to defend in 12 personnel where he can run with power or throw against maybe base defense if you match up with linebackers. And that's why I was so excited with the James Cook selection last year because I thought they were just going to go to an offense where if you run, want to run between the tackles, like, okay, great, you have Josh Allen for that. We'll just get James Cook running against light boxes, which he did incredibly. I mean, they were talking about the second highest yards per carry outside of only Brees Hall last season. Yes, he fumbled his first career touch. Guess what? He didn't have another fumble the rest of the season. Unfortunately, you bring in a guy like Damian Harris, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be wheels up for James Cook. But then again, just one year, has that James Cook uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say experiment because he still has a ways to go, but how much emphasis, I guess, with someone like Jameer Gibbs as the example, like how worried are you about someone like Gibbs, you know, not getting that three down roll? We can kind of put Devin A chain in there as well. These slightly undersized running backs, I think Gibbs is, you know, number 12 overall draft capital, eases those concerns, but maybe more so for Devin A chain. Has the Cooks, you know, again, not experiment, but has that scared you off of someone like A chain? Well, I think like, Based on the cost of the players, no, because I mean Gibbs is the guy I'm a little bit more concerned with. Where yeah, I, I'm buying him a lot because of upside, but it's not going to be shocking to me if you know they're going to just let David Montgomery be this grinded out guy, mm-hmm. and we're all being like give the ball to Gibbs more, you know, uh, and that doesn't come to fruition. A chain, it's just like the perfect coach fell in love with this guy, yeah. right? Like this dude was like a workhorse. Workhorse in college. Yeah, he's small. He's super fast. They have the fastest team, like, probably ever, right? Seriously. Uh, and so, I don't know. I don't know how you don't be excited. I don't really know what to do with Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Uh, what What's your take on the Miami running back trio and what to do? 
I'm buying all the A-chain I can get right now. Again, I really like that range of running backs. You mentioned Gibson earlier, and, you know, it's another kind yeah, of thing whole, I talked the whole about. Range. There's, and it's weird because wide receivers are going earlier. Like the top 12 wide receivers are off the board before the top 12 running backs by a difference of six spots in ADP. And that's wild. It was the complete opposite last year. You know, the average ADP for the top 12 running backs was uh, 10.6 versus 16.9 last year. And it's now firmly in favor of the wide receivers at this point. So with that in mind, you would think that because of that, maybe it's scooping up those early RBs. And I do think there's plenty of room in the first, you know, 12 to 15 RBs to feel good about them in the first, you know, three to five rounds. But there's so much zero RB value that I don't think it's necessarily burning people to get your wide receivers early. Rashad Penny going 50, 60 picks behind DeAndre Swift is crazy to me. Samaje Pirine could very well be the Broncos feature back for the first month of the year, if Love not P. more, and then have plenty of, you know, upside. God forbid, Javante's knee injury gets even more complicated. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, like without JD McKissick in there, man, maybe Eric Bienemy knows a thing or two about running an offense we'll see and then Devin a chain sitting there again rb 39 pick 117 overall so have you found yourself you know despite there being a lot more running back value just available kind of longer than we used to seeing are you still kind of going more so zero rb in this draft you did not take your first rb until round four and jameer gibbs jk dobbins at round six otherwise mostly loading up on wide receivers yeah, it's an interesting question, especially with this time of year, because there's two philosophies around it. Philosophy one is that these guys we're taking late right now, the Chase Browns, the Jerome Fords, the, you know, n- name a guy, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, like these guys could not be on rosters. These guys could not see the field. Like th- this could be us drafting the wrong RB2s. Any any such thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so one philosophy would be because of that, I want to get, I want to lock in my CMC and Pollard and two mid mid guys who I know are going to probably play. The other philosophy is that no, I'm going to load up on the wideouts. There's a bunch of mispriced running backs, and it's okay if I take an RB three or four by accident or or RB who doesn't even play, as long as I hit on some Deontay Foremans and some guys who maybe the starters ahead of them tear their ACL. Like, I don't know, like Tank Bigsby, if like he could be a good pick regardless, but if ETN tears his ACL, this could be the Daryl Henderson treatment from best ball mania two, where he goes from a 14th round pick to a seventh round pick. So I mixed my, my structures, damn. And, and Will Levis goes a guy who I was going to take as my QB three, but Mm. wanted to secure my third tight end. Um, and yeah, I just don't, I don't know what's going on with this, uh, six QB weirdo team. <laughs> yeah. We had a lot of the good sleeper tight ends. I was hoping one of Irv Smith or Tyler Higby specifically would fall to me. They did not. So I went ahead and took Josh Downs, the Colts. New Where are you at on, on Laporta versus Mayer? Ooh, I mean, Laporta certainly has less competition. I'm more of a fan of that offense. The thing with Mayer and just what I saw with them, like, I mean, it's like the perfect quarterback to be with him though. You know, right? Yeah. 
I think Hooper and Howard could make things complicated enough. Oh God, OJ Howard! <laughs> I know, man, but like you know, you see how these tight end rooms do- go, and there's just certain coaches out there. Like you know, we look at the Lafleur kind of pecking tree, and I just I have a hard time believing Mayer's going to walk in and just get this every down roll because he's your he's not your Dalton Kincaid. He's not going to be a big slide. He's going to be a true inline tight end. And you know, what, I forget those whatever those intangible athleticism circle charts are called, but like it's not great. For Michael Mayer, man, I think that's why he ended up not going round one. So, yes, he was awesome in a Notre Dame offense that admittedly didn't have many other places to go with the football. In terms of him being this great fantasy producer, I think he would need to be in, you know, a Houston Texans type of offense that doesn't really have anywhere else to go with the ball. With the Raiders, man, I mean, Devontae Adams could just push for 40% target share out there. I think Renfro and Myers would be ahead of them as well. I'm actually a little more interested right here, and I'm going to pull the trigger. Isaiah Likely has been someone in the last two rounds that I've been taking you know plenty of darts at because no drafting tight end handcuffs isn't the best thing in the world to do i get it but if there is one out there man we saw what happened last year in the one game mark andrews missed isaiah likely immediately shot up into his top six tight end so if there is someone you know you were talking about tank bigsby which i think was a great call not enough people i think are even putting enough uh just concern with travis Etienne stock with that bigsby selection uh Isaiah Likely, man, one injury away from literally going as a top six tight end. Um, can I give you my thoughts on that real quick? Yeah. Just go, I'm going to make my pick first. Um, Talk through what you're man, saying. It's, it, it's hard for me not to – I was going to go quarterback here, but Isaiah Hodgins to me mm. is the one on the Giants. And there's like a bunch of wide receiver ones being drafted cheap. Like, yeah, it, it, Isaiah Hodgins' floor is that he doesn't make the team. But plays he he's big and he plays outside. They brought in a bunch of like small slot guys. Go back and look at his game log, people. Like this dude had an electric end of the season that carried into the playoffs. Five touchdowns like in his last seven games. Yeah, it's probably like him or Slayton for the one uh, to me. And you know, I, I don't know. Like this this dude could just like be cheap Gabe Davis kind of like yeah. archetype, cheap Alan Lazard. So. Even though I don't really need wide out there with me taking six early, I'm going to secure the Hodgins while I can. And then on the likely bet, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's always hard for me to take pretty pure contingent bets, which yeah. I would view likely as a pretty pure contingent bet, especially with Zay Flowers and Odell there. But like the Ravens offense could totally be this year's Eagles, where yeah. they just take that leap with the better OC and everything going on. Um, and I am going to take Baker Mayfield. Like, there you go. I don't know. Just with how, just with how weird this room is on quarterback, I want the third body. He's going to start the whole year probably. I feel strong enough at tight end, wide out, and running back um, that we're Baker's a peer. Like, hopefully, we advance me in case Stafford is hurt or something because the team feels good enough. Do you think if I take Brissett to guarantee the Washington quarterback, is that just something you I would not? Should- I would not do that, I, but I would do that sometimes. If, if you feel like the rest of your team is that strong. No, nah, I don't. <laughs> but I would, I would rather roll the dice on a third quarterback, probably. like Just like a different quarterback. Someone like, else. Yeah, that's a good point. Again, You know, like Mike White, or I don't know. Or like Darnold. Yeah, Sam Darnold. Yeah, I'll, go. I'll go Sam Or Mike D. White. Like I'd rather insure Tua, right? Like that's more insuring more upside if you're yeah, going to insure true. someone. 
I'm going to go with Darnold here. I mean, did, did we not see the guy sitting courtside with McCaffrey and Kittle? Like, what other you know evidence do we need <laughs> that this guy that this guy matters out here? So, all right, man, we absolutely got through this. And despite you yeah, know a quick in the best ball bunch, ball. yeah, despite a bunch of quarterbacks inexplicably going to two teams in there, you know, I do think we made it out at least somewhat alive to your point underdog. So is are they, they're just trying to prevent collusion and stuff. If they see anything too wonky. They're, they're trying to prevent collusion. I don't think what the, my guess is that some people try to get the draft thrown away when they feel like they had a bad draft, which to <laughs> me, I would hope the site just bans that player. If someone has a history of doing that, I have no idea if they do. Um, but I don't know. I, to me, rooms do only get thrown out if, obvious collusion is happening someone taking six quarterbacks is weird but it's not obvious collusion not that that would even help you in a contest this large or crazy uh i wanted to ask you though about the josh downs pick because i've been thinking that josh downs and uh hyatt are maybe two of the more like mispriced rookies where the adp is more married to their pre-draft best ball before the actual nfl draft happened and like we're seeing them getting drafted ahead of the guys who got round two capital, like Cedric Tillman, or yeah. I don't know if Tillman did, but uh, Mingo and you know like, like those group of guys. So what what's your take? Is it just uh, you're a Josh Downs believer, or do you do you disagree with me on the misprice on those guys? What are your thoughts? I don't think you're wrong. I just like getting exposure to all these kind of rookies here at the end. So I don't have a strong, you know, side with Josh Downs, but we do see, I mean, these rookies, wide receivers, I mean, more and more, I took a study yesterday looking at day one, day two rookies, because those are the ones that we see, you know, actually put up the big time numbers overall. And we did get in, you know, not huge, but plus uh, 0.7 PPR difference in terms of the first half of the season onto the second half, which adds up with what we see, you know, guys finally earning the opportunity, getting out there or having injuries cause them to get out there on the field. So 61% qualified did improve their PPR points per game in the back stretch. And when you look at all these guys priced outside the top 150, Rasheed Rice, Josh Downs, Marvin Mims, Jaden Reed, someone I I've been getting a lot of exposure to uh, Nathaniel Dell, Cedric Tillman, Trey Tucker, Michael Wilson. Maybe not as much. I did throw one 18th round <laughs> dart at Trey Tucker. I had a Jimmy G Adams, Trey Tucker stack going the other day. So we'll, uh, and that's you know. how you should be doing it. You should take these guys in stacks. Like I, I would take downs in a stack with Richardson, but, yeah. uh, and, and there is enough people that like him individually that like, maybe he ha- like, I, I think he has some downfield ability. Mm-hmm. You know, you know me. I, I'm an Isaiah McKenzie believer, but I think Downs <laughs> will be Downs will be the slot guy. There is my is my take. But I don't know. Like it, it's just the market's not quite caught up fully to how the actual NFL draft went with yeah. some of these rookies. Like, and it, it was really egregious at the drop. But um, had a yeah, great time. You too, man. Me too. You. Uh, thanks so you much. Do you want to break down the stream? I mean, do you want to break down your team at all? That's sure. The, yeah. Yeah. I'm, let's let's do that. You're uh, you wait and you wait until you round ten. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Walk you wait until round years. ten. You got Geno Smith as your QB one, Stafford as your QB two in round thirteen. Close things out with Baker and dude, that Stafford ADP. That's another one that I still like. Again, it was that low in the first place because we were kind of concerned about retirement and things like that. But he's out there, and the fact that you have Stafford going. Four rounds after Geno, you know, six rounds after Dak Prescott. I think a quarterback, man, again, if you want to go in the first couple rounds and get one of these true dual threat guys that are the reason why they're going that high, 
I don't love it, but you know, if you already got your Stefan Diggs, you can get Josh or something. Okay, I can handle that. I think the tier to stay away from, unless you have Waddle and Tyreek and you're trying to get Tua on there, you want to stay away from those guys like Dak, like, you know, like a Tua, like a Kirk Cousins, like a Jared Goff, where I think they're being pushed up almost purely because of the top tier guys, not because of their of themselves in their own right. So definitely like what you did at QB. I think it and it and it depends on what you're playing for. For the regular season points, 100%. For playoff weeks, any of these quarterbacks that we think are good, so Cousins, Goff, Rodgers, any of them could be the team to do what like Tom Brady did week 17, right? Yeah. Like and Stafford, yeah, just like Stafford pretty mispriced where if he is healthy could give me Kirk Cousins production at a much cheaper cost. Uh, got, was able to stack him with Higby. So I ended up with a 3-5-7-3, Smith, Stafford, and Mayfield at quarterback. Mayfield, again, I don't want to do it, but when one guy's like <laughs> tacking on 7,000 points at quarterback, uh, just in case, wanted to try to advance. Um, Gibbs, J.K. Dobbins, Charbonnet, Antonio Gibson, and Jalen Warren at running back. Like that running back crew a lot. Going to need the rookies to see the field. One J.K. Dobbins over Miles Sanders, even though the ADP has it reversed. Again, it's just a hope that it's like the Ravens are this year's Eagles. And it, so he's like J.K. Dobbins could just be like a better Miles Sanders is the hope. Yeah. Um, Diggs Amonra, Metcalf, JSN, Gabe Davis, Quentin Johnson, Isaiah Hodgins at wideout. Like all those wideouts. Like the fact that Geno and Stafford play in the same division. So I'm building in game stacks, uh, which could hit in the playoffs. And then Dalton K, Tyler Higby, and Sam Laporta, the two highest drafted rookies. And Tyler Higby, a boring guy that correlates with Stafford for the stack. So like like my team, um, how, how about your team? Just want to shout out the uh, Warren Higby picks, man. Tyler Higby last year, and you don't want to be finishing too far below what your expected fantasy points say, because at some point you do got to look at the talent involved with that. But fourth most expected fantasy points among tight ends last year for Tyler Higby. It was an elite workload, and the fact that he was a borderline tight end one, like that surprised people enough, the fact that he was successful as he was, but it should have been even better. And the fact that he had to do a lot of that without Stafford, uh, I do think, uh, you know, it's a great value there again, where he's going when you got guys like, you know, a Greg Dolch, just like a Chiggy Oconquo going several rounds earlier. And also Jalen Warren. We, uh, you mentioned before, you know, the Daryl Henderson potential for these guys to go round 15 up to round seven. God forbid something happens to Najee Harris, man. Steelers didn't draft another running back uh, out there. So Jalen Warren, once again, locked in as that handcuff. And we didn't see Najee miss any actual time last year. And then Warren got concussed there down the street. Dude, he was just like dragging his corpse out there each week. If something happens to Najee, though, Jalen Warren, man, it could literally, like, I'm not saying we're going to cross he, out like Najee. He's man Eckler. There, yeah, you know he's and like the the fact that they have George Pickens to block and Darnell yeah. Washington to block, you know, like these are real really strong blocker dudes. Where it's like I think the rushing offense could be a little exciting for for the Steelers, and it's hard for me to pay that price on Najee. Where I just don't I don't I don't see like the individual weekly upside from him. Yeah, he could be a low advance rate guy. He can have a fine season, but he's. He's never giving you some like legendary season. So because right. I'm not drafting him, of course I got to be drafting his handcuff, who I like. And he's a guy who I got onto late August in best ball last year mm -hmm. once depth charts came out because this is happening in the market right now. We did not know who the RB2 for the Steelers was. We, it could have been uh, Anthony McFarlane. 
It could have been Benny Snell. We Jim didn't know. Lodge was there, I think. We just didn't draft it. And then it became clear in August, it's Warren. And I was like, oh, this is a guy I need to go get because people are not drafting him. And drafting players, the field is not. Huge advantage for best ball in every sense of the way. Love, love, love that pick. All right, on the team, free Duke Johnson, of course. Again, Let's was go. hoping normally if we didn't have so many damn quarterbacks flying off the board, I probably would have tried to fit Tua in round eight, but still not an egregious ADP snag. Got him stacked up with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, who had the third highest combined uh, you know, teammate wide receiver target share last year. So again, putting a lot of money into that Dolphins offense, but based on what we saw when Tua was healthy, man, most yards per attempt in the league, I do think we could see some constant booms from them snagged jerry judy and terry mclaurin in rounds four and five we talked about that tier a little bit but i was just happy to get you know two wide receivers who i do believe deserve to be in that wide receiver two conversation filling out that mixed in josh jacobs and joe mixon there especially in mixon's case i think he should be rising up and i don't know what more we need to see with josh jacobs again i never so much down the the talent that was there it was just that we always had these committee backfields he was losing pass down work to a number of guys i mean Who's that damn Amir Abdullah? Dude, and, there was uh, one. Oh my God. What was his name? Like 2020. I used to hate oh. him. Not like personally, but you know how it goes. Um, oh, Jalen Richard. Jalen freaking Richard was taking Jacobs him, yeah. off the field all the time. And last year with Josh McDaniels in town, we had the Hall of Fame game thing. Like, yeah, I missed on Jacobs. And what happened? He got the most touches in the NFL and they haven't touched the RB room. So playing on the franchise tag, I think he's going to get absolutely fed a workhorse role again. And I have him right there in a tier with guys like Pollard and Barkley far higher than he's going. Finished out their RBs with Alvin Kamara, Brian Robinson, and Pirine from rounds 9 to 11. I think that's one of my biggest takeaways, uh, Liam, from doing a handful of these is the RB value you can get in that 9 to 11 range. Every year. Yeah, every year, man. It's becoming really, really hard to actually warrant doing what I want to do, which is kind of zigging a little bit early and getting more of those high-end RBs when we still have such great value in those uh, rounds 9 to 11. So didn't love the way I finished things. You know, we talked a little bit about the likely and the Josh Downs pick. I did get Boyd and Dawson Knox, like a good 20-plus spots past ADP. So I love Juwan, too. Like, it's just yeah. complicated on the Saints. Because it could be Taysom, it could be Kendry Miller. But the dude had seven touchdowns last year and is getting a QB upgrade, right? Yeah. Like and they pay like he had two years, 12 million. He was a restricted free agent, and people were like estimating that he was gonna get like a pretty high tender because there's gonna be interest if not. And the Saints were just like, none of that. We're gonna actually pay you, man, and go be the guy, Adam Troutman, also out of the picture. He got traded last weekend. What's, so. what's your take on Taysom? Is he gonna I hate do him. It? Just that, <laughs> uh, it's, it's annoying he's listed as a tight end, but yes. he is. So it's a problem we have to deal with. So uh, I would rather not have to think about it, but all the sites have him as a tight end this year, not if, just underdog. Like, here's my issue with the tight end. He is not good enough to start at a real NFL position. He just, he never has been. All right. That's not me being a dick or me being annoyed about this. Like, he just, he's not good enough to start there. So he plays this flex role. He should be a flex in fantasy. He can't start in real life. It why is what it is. What are we fantasy? doing? Yes, I know. No excuses. We got to deal with the cards <laughs> we have. If he, you know, if it's the Taysom, even from last year, this dude is a steal. This was like what? Like the tight end six on the year or something? Oh, Who, Juwan Johnson scored more points than him last year. Uh, I don't think so. That's a I fact. Feel- in, in half point PPR, I don't know. Let me pull this oh, up. Half. Pull this I'm up. always going to full. So you probably well, we're got playing half point PPR here. So that is 
a key disclaimer that he, I mean, and it is good to point out that he's a better pick on a half point PPR website. Yeah, but that's true. More importantly, the dude had like several 30 point games, which, and, and we didn't even get like the quarterback play really. Does the um, age cliff just not apply to Taysom Hill? He's going to be 45 no. years old and we're dealing with this. No, the dude got like 400 million at like 30 for some reason. <laughs> He's going to be 33 he, in freaking August. He was the Come tight on. end five on the year and half point PPR ahead oh of Evan Ingram God. after only Kelsey, Hawkinson, Kittle, and Mark Andrews. He had a 34-point game pulling that up. And other than that, not not too much. Like a bunch of – he had a 13-point game week 17, of course. Get a 15 point game week one, uh, dangling those carrots. I don't know. So here's my main issue with Taysom Hill. I've always believed the true the reason why you draft Taysom Hill is to actually get him playing quarterback, getting the you know tight end eligibility, which I can get behind that. But it's not just Derek Carr, man. They also brought back Jameis Winston. That's why I was off on Taysom last year because they had Jameis and they had Andy Dalton. So I think Taysom is their number three QB at best, and like you just need to end up praying for what actually happened in Week 16 last year, which is they get in such a bad weather game that they end up leaning on Taysom more than ever and they did you know I'm looking at his carries right now carries from seaboard uh you don't buy into the week 17 eastern seaboard blizzard yeah I get to we gotta get the schedule man we'll see if they're home or away going on with that but you know Taysom Hill's carries you know from week 11 on nine six three seven nine fourteen and five now Jamal Williams is there Kendra Miller's there that's what's comp that's what I don't like if like Kendry wasn't there. I'd be it, but well, I don't okay, know. I, mean, I believe I believe Dennis Allen was asked, and he said, "Yes. Why would we? We're going to use him even more. Why would we not?" How many carries do you think Taysom had inside the five yard line last year? Mm, not a lot. Like, was he did a lot of like breakaway runs. Um, I'm going to guess seven, three, three. He scored okay. five of his 12 rushing touchdowns, you know, from inside the 10-yard line. So he was close on a few of that. But, I mean, it was a bad offense. I don't think he's the juggernaut. that Can't much better. <laughs> I know. He's very good at what he does. And it's it's only fantasy football, like, uh, why we don't like him. I, I think it was uh, Sean Payton last year when he was going Colin Coward. Like, he brought up the point how, like, John Madden, like, would just absolutely love Taysom Hill if, you know, he was still broadcasting and stuff. So, don't want to completely hate on Taysom, the player. Very cool. And, you know, he kicked my ass, that's for sure. But just, uh, you know, I am annoyed by it, Leo. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to it, especially, you know, I will say in lineups like my own where I didn't take, you know, a single tight end until round 13, maybe that's when you're more willing to bite the bullet. So, look, I mean, when I, I'm not completely ignoring the guy. I ranked him as my tight end 19, you know, kind of before the draft happened and stuff. I think he's a reasonable dart in that tight end two range. But, like, how high are you willing to go on him? I don't know. It's like he's a guy who I refuse to have less than 8% because it's like when you have a guy who can just break fantasy football, why would you not? And so and he and he's a guy who I would draft even with a Juwan Johnson. I'm okay with taking yeah. both of them because the nuts is Taysom Hill throws the touchdown to Juwan Johnson, <laughs> once in your flex, once in your tight head. Let's go wheels up. Uh but and like the Saints they play in a terrible NFC. They play in a bad division. I think I think it's like nine and a half win win total. It's gonna be weird, um, but I don't I don't know. It's just like how you can't fade this guy. I don't want him on every team because he is a potential zero a lot. But in an end when you're in a game where you're hunting individual weak upside, like we see it. 
with yeah. Taysom. We know what it is. And he didn't even get the pure nuts last year and was like tight end five. And that was weeks one through 17. He was even better, I think, for like advanced rate purposes. It, it was very close, you know, between, and I think it's a good lesson maybe to not reach on the middle tier tight ends because we did see, you know, such a small difference between uh, some of them. Let's see, half point it, it, PPR yeah, from yeah. what I'm looking at. He is up there at 7.7. But yeah, look, like Zach Ertz, or let's see, David Njoku as a tight end seven was 8.2 points per game. Greg Dolchis at tight end 16 was seven. So we're only talking about a difference of 1.2 points. But when you have the guy that's inexplicably breaking fantasy football, even though he can't start his own damn team, getting those rush attempts, you know, that is the sort of difference maker that we should be looking for. But Liam, at the risk of talking about my least favorite part (laughs) of fantasy football for another half hour, going to get out of here, man. Again, thank you for coming on the show. Everyone can follow you on Twitter at Chess Liam. And you have been working hard on your own YouTube channel. Fantastic stuff. I am a loyal subscriber. They can find you at Liam Murphy. And again, at Chess Liam over there. Anything else you want to go? your chest my friend that's it just i'm doing uh daily streams weekday streams the month of may until i go to vegas for the wsop you can find me liam murphy on twitter i mean uh, liam murphy on youtube at chess liam on twitter and thanks so much for having me on man free duke johnson and on behalf of bills fans let me extend the olive branch i saw that tweet (laughs) about how you're upset come come on now you know (laughs) Latavius Murray over the used (laughs) all-time leading rusher. I can't defend it. I can't defend that. Couldn't be me, but best of luck. Uh, Go take that. Hit the like, hit the the subscribe button. Join the journey here. Let's go. (laughs) Let's freaking go. Guys, we're going to be having a lot more of these coming up Wednesday and Friday. Best ball streams here over at Fantasy Life. Just to be getting it. Thank you, Liam, for kicking things off. So for Liam, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody.